Welcome to the Should I Stay or Should I Go podcast with me, Phil Brown. Best known as the founder and group chief executive officer of Absolute Commercial Interiors. Each episode, I'll be sitting down with influential figures and business leaders to have insightful conversations about the challenges that they've faced and how they help people and businesses to thrive and the lessons they've learned along the way. These conversations are being created to provide you, the listener, with insightful and detailed information that can aid your journey in the business world. So let's get right to it. Good afternoon. Uh, Today I'm joined by Sue Armstrong, who's the Professional Partner Director from Catax, who are a specialist company who advise on research and development tax credits, amongst other things. So, hello. Hi, Phil. uh, Thank you for inviting me along today to uh, have a little conversation. You're very welcome. Let's hope our listeners find it uh, very interesting. Could you just give us a bit of background as to how you got into this business? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Typically, my background has been um, in the finance industry, started in banking many, many years ago, um, and then moved on to financial services. So I've done the face-to-face with clients, advising them. Stepped back from that, worked for um, a financial services industry, and then got headhunted into tax. Found my way to um, Catax in its early days. I was looking back at this, actually. um, And uh, there are emails going back to 2014. Right. So Catax at that time were literally uh, just doing the embedded capital allowances legislation. Mm-hmm. And so obviously we've developed quite Growing a bit from, from there to cover, obviously, still the capital allowances, the, the research and development tax credits. And then uh, latterly, we've started doing patent box, which is a very little understood and quite complex bit of legislation, um, but also... Another very underutilised bit of legislation is where you have contaminated land that needs specialist resources. Right. And there are government incentives for all of those. And unfortunately, many people are missing out on the opportunities therein. So this should be uh, should be very interesting then. So do you want to run us through in more detail exactly which um, offerings that CATACs do? Yeah. First and foremost, uh, research and development tax credits has been the the headliner because it's just so easy for companies to make that claim. Unfortunately, a lot of companies don't know Mm. they're getting involved in the criteria that surround research and development tax credits. R&D as it's familiarly known. Yeah. Is that a... Do you get a credit against your corporation tax allowance or do you actually get monies back into your account? Very good question. And in actual fact, the the, uh, legislation allows us, as the the claim company, to look back at two previous open tax years. So if you were a March year end, for example, we can go back to the 1718 year and the 1819 year before we then move on to the 1920. Right. So when you're looking back, if you've paid corporation tax in that time, mm. you're looking at getting a corporation tax refund, which is very nice. Right. Nice. HMRC are very happy to pay it. Pay it. I'm sure they are. Even but, if you're not making mm. any money or yeah. you're making a small amount of money, 
then there is an option to get a cash sum anyway. Right, right. So, and then moving forward, depending on your tax situation, mm. there is a way around. So it either reduces your corporation tax, or if you're not paying any, you get a cash sum. So it's, it's a cash injection into the business. As long as it's linked to research and development. As long as it's linked to research and development tax credits. Unfortunately, a lot of people see what they do um, where, you know, there's lots of entrepreneurs in business today uh, where they are innovating new products or new processes that are taking time, they're taking money, they're taking time out mm. of business as usual. And if that's the case, then it's very likely to fall into that criteria. Right. And the government are very keen to mm. benefit entrepreneurial mm. businesses. Yeah. People say, well, you know, well, why are they giving our money away? Because what they see is by doing that over a 10-year period, they see a benefit back. So at the minute, for every one pound of activity yes. that we find, the government will give £2.30. Very good. One pound of that is already in the business expenses yeah. today, but yeah. another one pound thirty—that's quite a significant amount. Me so too. that's the bit we're going yeah. back over the previous two years and looking for. So, what sort of evidence do, let's just say, we, your customer, need to provide you, or do you do all the digging for us? We do a lot of the work behind it. So, mm. part of our remit is that to help you as a client we will only take maybe three to four hours of your time over an eight-week period. Right. That might be your time. It might be one or two of your technical team's yeah. time. So it's a very small... So we're trying to be as unintrusive in your business as possible, but we need the information to make your report to HMRC as robust as possible. Yeah. So evidence is what we're looking for. Yeah. And how, how do you... Do you generate your fees from savings made or, or is there a fee up front to engage your services? No fee up front. We are um, totally free yeah. at the point of having the conversation. Yeah. It's not till we get your money back from HMRC that we will take a fee. Yeah. Percentage and that's of. an agreed fee. That's an agreed fee. Yeah, that's yeah that's... absolutely. So we're contingent. Um, a lot of people call it the... You know, no win, no fee. Yeah. That's the easiest way to explain it. But you know, yeah. we're contingent on success. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it appears to be a no-brainer, really. It absolutely um, is a no-brainer, Phil. Unfortunately, that, you know, companies sometimes see it as something that is, you know, not quite mm. the right thing to do. This is a government incentive. It's been around for over 10 years. Right. And if you're not making the most of it, you you may be losing mm. thousands of pounds. In some instances, hundreds of thousands of pounds. And who doesn't want to get a reduction in their corporation tax? Well, exactly. Or a, uh, a cash back. Exactly. So, so tell me about uh, embedded capital allowances, Sue. That's a very interesting one because that has been around the longest. So brought into legislation in the 1940s. Wow. Um, I guess as part of a rebuilding incentive. It's been around um, since then. It's changed just slightly. But essentially, the easiest way to explain it, and we have a little video explainer that we send out to clients, is um, if you were to take a commercial building, you were to tip it upside down, mm -hmm. shake it out, everything that falls out of it isn't embedded capital allowances. I see. 
everything that stays in that main frame of that building yeah. is and it has a value so whether it's in the walls yeah. whether it's in the floors the ceilings the doors door closers sanitary wear it can be anything and right. part of our remit is that we go in to a commercial building that somebody is either buying mm -hmm. or has bought and we send somebody in with a clipboard and they take all that information. We have a very nifty piece of software that works out what that would have cost at the time of purchase. So right. it's like... it's like um, uh, Historical data. Yeah, right? yeah, pretty oh. much. It's like, you know, a loaf of bread today cost yeah. you this, but 20 years ago it cost you, I don't know, 6p or so something. So you're ascertaining the value of the fabric of the building. Yes. And then what do you do with that information? We send it in as a report. So mm. typically... Depending on the type of building it is, um, you know, anything from a commercial warehouse, maybe yeah. with offices. Yeah, stick to, to offices because that's what I know. Yeah, stick to offices. Um, to maybe a block of offices. Yeah. Uh, and then going on from that, care homes, hotels. So they all vary in the amount of potential embedded allowances they've got. So typically um, industrial units with mm -hmm. offices are probably about 10% of their purchase price right up to the 25%, 30% for some of the care homes, dentists, yeah, doctors, yeah. hotels, just because of the sheer amount of fixtures and fittings, integral right. features they've yeah. got. And they have a value. So in that original purchase price, the value is in there. And that's the bit we are trying to work out for the client. And how how is that presented itself? Present how does that present itself back as as monetary? So you you come up with a figure, do you? Yeah. Again via the HMRC. Yeah, absolutely. So we work out the figures. We do all the calculations. We have all the specialists in house mm -hmm. uh, up at our head office in Altrincham. So the financial analysts, the tax accountants. So we put all of that information together, send it off to HMRC. They will agree it because by the time we send it in, we know we're 100% certain mm -hmm. of that value. Um, and then they will send us an agreed benefit back. And then depending on the circumstances of the client and the circumstances of how the property is held, because we can go back several years, uh, depending on how long you've held mm. it, then we can give you a tax, the client a tax refund. And then nice. often it's a tax refund and then there's some left over, which is offset yeah. against corporation tax or personal tax going forward. Wow. I've never heard of that. And I, so many people haven't, Phil. I bought a building. I've sold, sold it since five years ago. Yeah. I w it's like anything. I wish I'd have known about that because it would do financial incentives. And again, that could come back into... Sell, using that money for the advancement of the business or anything else. It's, well, it goes exactly back into it. the economy, doesn't it? Yeah. So you, you mentioned something really useful there because whilst we want to talk to clients early about looking at their commercial property, we really need to see that before they go and do any major refurbishment. Because so what we do see, it, yes. yeah, what yeah. we do see is um, people will buy commercial properties then they will rip it out and maybe change something in it. Um, maybe in hotels, you're ripping out the rooms to redo them. What you're late. doing is you're ripping out that embedded capital allowance value. 
So we need to see it first. So the message is... Get that is, done. Yes, yes. So the message is if we come across a client that's moving out of uh, leasehold offices, for example, and say, right, I'm going to buy my own office. Can you advise us on the size, location? At that point, we say, Sue, Catax, a client here would like some um, embedded capital allowances, please. Yes. Yeah. So Don't the sooner... Don't touch it until you've been in. Absolutely. The sooner we can speak to the client, the sooner we can guide them as to the best way forward mm. to make sure that they have the opportunity to make that claim. Um, and then when they are able to, that we go in as soon as possible. Once we've done the research, the, the surveying on it, uh, then the client can go in and start the refurbishment. But it's and locked in yeah. to a value. Yeah. And then when they do a refurbishment, yeah. then we can do a second capital ah. allowance claim. So they get two bites at the cherry. So often we see clients where they've already <coughs> ripped out what was in there and they've done the second part. So we can still help them. Yeah, but, but is... they've thrown that money in the skip, which is just very unfortunate. So with embedded capital allowances and R&D tax credits, why would you not? Why would you not? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's so underutilised, less than 10% of limited companies, less than 10% of commercial property owners, one, know about it, and yes. two, do anything about it. Would you suggest that property developers know about this anyway? Is that in no, there? No, not really. Wow. No, not really. Property developers, um, depending, you know, sometimes they have a, a mix because they tend to keep property as well as yes. develop yeah. and they are often developing residential land um, but coming back to the land part of that mm. if they are buying brownfield sites mm -hmm. then they're obliged to get a specialist report to make sure that the, the, the land that they're going yeah. to be building residential property on is clean and doesn't have contaminants then there's a very underutilised bit of legislation that allows these property developers to uh, get money back for making sure that land is safe. Because is these really? days, yeah, one, you have to have the specialist report, yeah. but two, then if there are contaminants, and the contaminants are things like asbestos, it could be lead, yeah. um, it could be Japanese knotweed, an example would be we are just talking to a company who bought um, a lot of petrol station forecourts. Now, actually, they're going to keep them as forecourts. Right. But often, if that land is being utilised for something else, then they need to take out the tanks yeah, from under yeah. the ground. Yeah. And so there are contaminants in the ground yes. there. And they have to be taken away specially. So there is a cost to that. And Asbestos get, has to be removed. And you get something back for that. And you get something back up to 150% of what you spent. So it's a significant <laughs> amount. This is amazing. Yeah. So, so I've got this idea in, my, in, my, in future when petrol stations are far, far less and there's a forecourt there, we've all got electric cars. And, yes. you, and, you, and you're turning those forecourts, you're taking the tanks out and tarmacking it and putting electric things in like that. So if I was a developer doing that, I could get 150% back of my cost. Potentially, you could, yes. Potentially, up to 150%. Yeah. Wow, I might just do that. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> now that, you so, know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just as another, I think, knotweed as well, especially, I think is now becoming a medically 
um, a, me a medical product that can be used for the treat of, of disease. So oh, really? Japanese knotweed, there you go. A little there you go. fact, you can have that. I actually, yeah, I didn't know that. Really? But of course, it's very invasive. It is. And it has to be dealt with specially because yeah. if anybody tries to take it out themselves, it, it spreads, spreads like wildfire. Mm. Um, and that's the last thing we want. So, um, yeah. So talk to me about patent boxes. Yeah, it's, uh, yes, patent box, patent box, you know, however you yeah, say it. Yeah, patent, patent. Relatively yeah. new piece of legislation. It's been around a little while, but it was only really fully enforced um, about three years ago. Uh, it sort of follows on from the research and development criteria, because if a client is developing a product or a process, so yeah. it's generally going to be a product, um, and that that product, product yeah, is yeah. not available in the marketplace. So they have done something to it yeah. that makes it unique to them. And that is a marketable product. Yeah. Then they might look at taking out a patent on it. Yeah. I think a lot of people are put off making uh, going down that route because it's it's a it can be a long slow journey and people also see it as quite expensive. Mm. So it can take between one to five years to get a patent approved. Yeah, we can give some guidance on that. We can't advise clients, but we can give some guidance on on where to go and mm. how to go about it. Um, and yes, it might take a little bit of money because you will need a patent attorney. So we have access to. Uh, a number of patent attorneys that we work with as a company. Right. Um, um, so once you've got the patent approved, then when you are utilising that product in any of the profits that mm. the company makes, then the profits derived from that patentable product mm. have the benefit of a 10% corporation tax. Really? For the life of the patent, which is a generally is twenty years, so so they're if being you, rewarded for being entrepreneurial and, and yeah um, innovative. Yeah, absolutely. So again? not only have they got yeah. the R and D yeah. in the first instance, they've now got down the route of patenting that product. They're utilising it in the commercial uh, aspect of their business. Mm -hmm. They're making nice profits from it. And the profits that they derive from that using that product, 10% corporation tax, as opposed to where we are at the minute, 19. Yeah, yeah. So it's a valuable thing. You know, the, th the one to five years can feel uncomfortable, but once you've got there, and I've seen it, mm. then you've got the benefit for 20 years. So it more than repays. Well, again, it's just something that's not wildly, widely known. Is it? No. No, absolutely not. Unless uh, you're constantly doing patentable items, I yeah, would imagine. But yeah. And there will be certain companies, um, some of the bigger companies will be doing that all the time. I mean, the obvious ones, the pharmaceutical industry. Yes, where, constantly. Yeah, where, yeah. where they're doing that. Yeah. But, you know, we've seen all sorts uh, of patentable opportunities from, you know, some teas through to... Um, you know, products that could go global, you know, if you licensed them, mm. then you get that benefit mm. as well. So, so just going back to R&D then, yeah. research and development, it's quite a broad brush, isn't it? Yes, it is. And is it, does the government get a bit itchy, HMRC, about what is research and what develop? Do you have to have, do, is you, I mean, obviously it's your paperwork, so you're a specialist. Just as a as a bystander's point of view, is it 
Are they asking very specific questions, whether it's research and or development? It, it forms the same thing, research mm -hmm. and or development. Right. Um, so generally it goes hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the criteria are strict. Yeah. So, you know, there are um, certain steps set out mm -hmm. by HMRC and we have to abide by those. Yeah. But in, within that criteria, we will maximise that client's claim. Mm -hmm. Some might say, you know, well, that's quite aggressive. It's not aggressive no. at all. We will not go outside of that. So as far as we're Excellent. concerned, yeah. by the time we have put a report together for the client, we are 100% sure that that is research and development. And we've done the calculations and we know right. the figures that we're going to be able to get back for the client. If we are in any way unsure, or we believe it is, but we need HMRC's approval, then we ring them up. Right. We have a very close relationship with HMRC. Yes. They uh, know our business. We are one of the biggest in terms of um, submissions that we make over 14 and a half thousand. And to date, we have repaid to clients over 264 million pounds. Wow. So, you know, people say, well, you know, well, that's money that the government should be using elsewhere. But what we're seeing is they will make more than that back yeah. in helping those companies grow yeah, because and take on yeah, staff. Exactly. Who pay national insurance, who pay tax. So it's robbing, it's not robbing Peter to pay Paul. It's just another way of They will get payback. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. absolutely will get payback. Like back. you said, the value. It repays itself. Surely, if you're developing products and services that are unique, it's then going to create employment, create tax, corporation That's tax. exactly the point, Phil. But one of the biggest things is, because we are um, so clear mm. about the criteria, we have seen um, other reporting that isn't necessarily that clear. So... Right. We will be absolutely clear about the amount that we are requesting from HMRC. So much so that we have a PI cover for our clients. So in the event, mm -hmm. God forbid that right. HMRC come back and start asking questions two or three years down the line, we will cover that for the client. That's very reassuring. It, it, it? It's one of the, uh, it's one of our uh, USPs, unique propositions. Yeah. There's one or two other companies out there yeah. do it. But all I would say to um, clients who think they might have the opportunity for R&D is do your research on the company you're going to use. And I say that because we've mm. just had a client come to us who has done a claim, uh, HMRC have several years come back and said, no, it wasn't R&D. We want our money back. And actually, we're going to charge you a penalty. Yes. Because you did the you should have done your due diligence yeah. on the company. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's lots of companies out there and then lots of them are very good. Mm. But make sure you are getting the like right for like. Advice. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the best piece of advice I ever got was... Don't forget, Phil, that you sign your tax return. That's exactly the point. No matter how much you've paid for advice, you actually sign it. So make sure it's right and yeah. that you're comfortable with it. So it's a, it's quite a professional relationship between the client and CATAX then to make yeah. sure that, that CATAX are protecting your client's interests. 
yeah. to the best of your knowledge. Yeah, and absolutely. We all know HMRC and, and uh, rules and regulations change over the years and through governments. We know that. So if if you've got PI insurers to cover that, that's that's a fantastic piece well, it's of just, insurance. It's a reassurance. Um, and, and part of that reassurance goes further because a lot of our uh, clients come to us from accountants. So we work predominantly with accountants yes. because the accountants will know their clients and yes. they'll know the type of business that they're doing. And instead um, of having an in-house specialist like you, they obviously just come to you and go, got a client, need some advice. Yeah, we're their specialist arm where they probably aren't having, don't have that yeah. facility yeah. in-house. But you know, we're also backed by a number of the governing bodies as well. So um, like the um, ICAEW, which mm -hmm. is one of the biggest, um, IFA is another governing body. We work with a lot of those bodies. And in terms of the capital allowances, we are endorsed by the Law Society. So when we talk to accountants and or solicitors, then they can take comfort from the fact that due diligence has been done on us. We have our processes in place. We know what we're talking about. Yes. Um, so, you know, we, people should take comfort from that. Yeah. So the PI is just another layer of protection and comfort yeah. and reassurance that we're giving to those companies that will still be around in 5, 10, 15 years. Mm. Whereas there's lots of companies out there that, you know, they come and go, unfortunately. Yeah. So you'd be reassured, wouldn't you, if your accountant and or your solicitor recommended you because they've, they recognise they don't have the experience in house, but they can recommend you as a as, as an allied specialist. Yeah, allied specialist. Yeah, absolutely. It's brilliant. So, how long does the um, how long does the the process just to wrap it up? So, how long does the process take? Just say for R and D, what length of process is it? Yeah, um, I'll give you an example. We're coming up to a March year end, so if there's any companies out there with a March year end. Get on with it. Yeah, you need to be talking to <laughs> yeah. us like today. Wow, yeah. um, but as part of um, just, oh, I've lost my track completely. Right. No, we're just, just talking about how long the process takes. Process, yeah. So in terms of process, it's uh, we can do it as fast as the client will allow us. To so part the of the deal right. is that we will get together all the relevant information, but we will request yeah. information back from the client. So if we're looking back over a two-year period, yes, they will have to go and dig out a few invoices and we'll need their um, their tax returns, their, their corporation tax returns, maybe their PAYE yeah. returns, because we're looking at what they've spent. And, and that's where we're taking the evidence. So from, robust right. evidence to show that the money that we're suggesting is related to R&D project or projects has that um, backing. So we know that when we send it in, we're 100% sure. Brilliant. Um, so it's it, it's as long as the client yeah. takes yeah, yeah. and or the accountant takes, you know, I guess we're ancillary to their day job. Average is about eight weeks. Okay, that's, that's fine. So that's it? pretty yeah. good. For a client to be able to then see that money coming back which is what we're aiming yeah. for. Yeah. Um, in the capital allowances, it's probably around 12 weeks. Got yeah. um, And then in some of the others, the, the, they're, they're quite straightforward. Brilliant. 
Well, we could have talked for hours, Sue. Um, I thank you for your time. I think well, it's no, been thank you. very, very informative. And uh, obviously, if any of the uh, listeners are interested, which I'm damn sure there should be. Um, I hope so. Please get in touch with Sue uh, at Catax and uh, listen to me, Phil Brown, at Absolute Commercial Interiors again when you're ready. Thank you very much and Thanks. good afternoon. Thanks, Phil. Thank you for joining us in yet another episode of our Should I Stay or Should I Go podcast. Join us again in the next episode for another insightful conversation with one of the UK's influential business leaders. See you next time.